Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovic. This week, we're going to be talking about the film Moonlight and the Norwegian teen drama Scum. Anna has also watched the Mel Brooks film Young Frankenstein for the first time, so she'll be telling us how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Now, this is the bit of the show where we normally read out your emails and tweets and stuff, and we will be getting to that in a second. But we also just wanted to flag another way that you can tell us what you think about the podcast and about us, but please don't be mean, which is our listener survey, which you can get on seriouslypod.com forward slash survey. And it's just five minutes of questions about who you are and what you like about the show and how you listen to it. And please do fill it out. It is really helpful. Thank you so much for all of you who make the effort to do that. Also, sorry if you can hear that I sound a bit gross. (laughs) Yeah, Anna's been ill. I've been a bit ill. So it sounds like I'm underwater. That's why. And I apologise. But we've had some great emails from you this week. I've got an email here from Amy B, who just said she got round to listening to last week's episode as she was in the gym this morning. And she said, on Hidden Figures, while I agree that part of the film's box office success is due to its welcome injection of levity among this year's Oscar contenders... Please never underestimate the amount of time and money smart black women will spend just to see ourselves represented on screen beyond our suffering, which she's put with a capital S here, sass or ass. It's like finding an unexpected oasis in the middle of a desert we'd long ago told ourselves it was okay to suffer through. Which is a great point, and I'm really glad that, Amy, that you really enjoyed Hidden Figures. And yeah, obviously amazing to see representation on screen. Yeah, really good. Actually, on that point... Long-time listener to the show and actually former guest June Erikadori got in touch after last week's Mm. episode on Twitter and pointed us towards a series of tweets that we will retweet from the Seriously account. Basically going into this plot point about the kind of white saviour narrative of the Kevin Costner character destroying the toilet signs which is absolutely not how it happened in real life Mm. like the black woman in question just started using the white people toilets that were nearby and you know defied them to tell her off about it but hollywood loves a man with an axe (laughs) breaking down a sign (laughs) so yeah i definitely want to read the book behind hidden figures as well because i feel like that can't be the only example where hollywood with its white centric view has rewritten the narrative to suit its own ideas of what a story should be yeah so thank you to amy and june for getting in touch we've also had an email from joe who writes to ask are you going to review no offense 
I assume you've both seen it, although that could be erroneous. I'm afraid it is erroneous. This is a Channel 4 sort of police-based comedy. I keep this list of like stuff I want to try and watch, mm. and it is on there, but I have not yet watched it. I don't think you have either. No, not at all. I've seen... There was a lot of advertising that went into this, I think. Yeah, he says, It's really excellent, and Joanna Scannon and Elaine Casty put in some really great performances. And then adds, my dad works in the law in the Manchester area. And when it came on, he and my mother both said that it was A, brilliant, and B, that Scannon reminded them of one of my father's better former managers. <laughs> That's cool. So close to life as well. Great. Imogen got in touch to say that she's been listening to Seriously for about a year because she relocated to Thailand in August for a one-year work placement and she would like to thank us for keeping her up to date with pop culture. <laughs> You're welcome. And she would like to recommend Please Like Me, a Netflix gem. She says it's a cross between Lovesick and Flight of the Concords. All her colleagues are hooked and she hasn't watched anything like it for a while that's made her truly laugh out loud. So that's definitely something that we'll have to look into as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Netflix has been showing me that a lot. I think mm. algorithmically I must be suited to it or something, <laughs> but I haven't actually clicked on it. Finally, we've also heard from Molly, who says, I want to recommend John Finnamore's of Cabin Pressure fame series of duologues that were on Radio 4 last year. They were absolutely wonderful and stand up to multiple listenings. This was called Double Acts. Mm -hmm. There are some hidden links between the episodes, but really the only thing that connects them is the conceit of two people talking. He makes this dramatic, exciting and moving. You can sit on a train carriage in the 1930s, admire the stained glass windows in a Regency parish church and watch a romance burgeon in a corporate reception. <laughs> so this is something that I did actually try and listen to because I am a big fan of John Finnamore's previous radio work. I recommended Anna Cabin Pressure mm -hmm. way back we near the it. beginning of the podcast. And I listened to part of the first one, which I think is the 1930s train one. And it sounded like a bad version of the Victoria Woodbrief encounter sketch. So, I mean, a bad version of that would still be quite good. That was quite funny. It wasn't funny, though. It sounded like people doing the voices, but not having any of the good lines. So I think I turned it off after about 10 minutes. But multiple people, obviously Molly included, have now suggested to me that I was very wrong about that. So maybe so, it's worth pushing through a little further. I think maybe it is, yeah. Cool. The first thing we're going to talk about this week is Moonlight which is a film directed by Barry Jenkins, which is also co-written by him with the playwright Terrell Alvin McCraney. It shows three acts in the life of a single character, Chiron, who is played by three different actors at different ages. We follow him through struggles with his sexuality, his relationship with his drug-addicted mother, played by Naomi Harris, and his search for role models and intimacy as an adult. What you looking at me like that for? What, man? Come on, you just drove down here? Yeah. Who is you, Sharon? Come on, son, try not to remember. <laughs> point you gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. 
so this is a massive Oscar favourite this year, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of, it's Moonlight or La La Land and we're unsure which way it's going to go. I mean, it's the Oscars. It'll probably be La La Land. <laughs> but when I saw both these films back in October, not that they need comparing in any way because they're such different films, but I came out knowing that I loved La La Land so much and it was so my cup of tea, but sort of also believing that Moonlight was probably the better film. That's the conclusion I've come to as well. I've seen them both a lot more recently than you. I saw Moonlight just last week actually I think Mm -hmm. and whilst I don't know maybe the comparison I would make is cake versus a good healthy meal in the (laughs) sense that like I feel really good after watching La La Line slash eating cake but I know that the healthy meal of Moonlight is one I'll still be like working on in, yeah. in years to come. It's like we don't believe in guilty pleasures on Seriously, no. but La La Land is more of a guilty pleasure than this could ever be. Because it's more it's... of a short-term pleasure, maybe. Yeah. Whereas Moonlight, I watched it in a really small screening room, actually, with about six other people. Well, that's quite a nice way to see it. Which is a very nice way to see it. But literally on my phone, as I was walking out, was like Googling where I could see it again, mm. you know? Because there were, it just felt like there were so many things that I'd learned in the final third of it that would make the first two parts of it seem different and yeah it was just completely bewitching because it's chronologically in these three acts as you said in your intro right so we get a third of the film devoted to the lead character when he's known as like little and he's really really young and then the second he's what maybe 13 yeah he's like a very early teens Mm -hmm. yeah and then the final one he's an adult referred to as black by most of his friends it seems And yeah, it is really chronological in that way. I love the trailer for this movie so much, which is all like overlapping and like Mm -hmm. watching the trailer. You don't know if these are separate people, one person. It's all a lot more fluid. But then it's surprisingly straightforward as a narrative when you're in the cinema. But it's just so beguilingly, bewitchingly done. It's Mm. so atmospheric and so beautiful to look at. And then the score, I just think, is amazing to this film. The music is brilliant. And to shout it out again, there was a really great episode of the Song Exploder podcast Mm. about the Moonlight soundtrack, which was just, yeah, really, really revealing of the process behind it and so interesting. But yeah, so the conceit of having different actors play the same character at different ages is obviously not in any way a new one. Mm -hmm. But I feel like normally what you do when you cast that is you try and get people who look as much like each other as possible, Mm -hmm. just at different ages. Whereas I feel like here, the little boy and the teenager do look quite a lot like each other. Mm. But the adult Chiron doesn't so much. Mm -hmm. So I genuinely found it a bit of a jolt for the first two minutes of the third act when people were calling him by that name and I was like that's him really yeah I think but I think that is intentional isn't it because it's a cliche almost to comment on the fact that when you're walking around with adult people all of them is like a little kid inside there Mm. that like that that child like vulnerability although you stop seeing it it doesn't really go away and he doesn't look very vulnerable as an adult because he's you know macho and he's black and you know all these sort of stereotypes we have he doesn't look like this romantic vulnerable lonely guy but of course he is Mm. and we know that because we've been watching this story from the beginning and seeing him develop his sexuality and try and come to terms with the fact that he's gay yeah it's really brilliantly done because obviously you just feel like you know him and you love him so much i just was in floods of tears by the end yeah so in the second act we get this really climactic bullying scene Mm -hmm. where Sharon gets beaten up the night before and then he goes into school the next day and like breaks a chair over someone's head and gets you know well we never quite see what happened to him but basically it's implied that he then gets mixed up with the police and things all go a bit wrong for him from there on and then the next time you see him he's obviously taking great pains to transform himself into something that cannot be picked on 
mm, someone hyper masculine to someone who can never have that experience of being victimized again mm. so he's externally adopted all of the masculine tropes that were being used to taunt him yeah but inside he's still the same person yeah. and that's what the casting does so brilliantly because you like you obviously you see him before you get the sense of him yeah so you get those two layers i find it so difficult to talk about like authenticity and emotional truth in movies because i mean what is it about a certain lighting and a certain turn of the script and a certain way of something being mm. shot that makes something so moving but there is it's not just like there's one or two moments in this that leave you like really like kind of gasping for breath emotionally there's like so many moments like this in in this film so the beach scene yes. it's like really romantic but kind of painful like teenage sexual encounter it's so beautifully done with like the waves and there's just so many little moments like that even just like a stilted conversation between him and an older mentor figure like the Mahershala Ali mm. character there are so many moments like that where you really feel for this just broken little kid and you just want to like hug him so much the way Miami looked it just all seemed to flow into each other it's just beautifully done and i don't really know how it's so beautifully done do you know what i mean yeah but it just is and you know the the title moonlight comes from the original title of the play that it was kind of based off which i think the full sentence is in moonlight black boys look blue mm. which is this little story which his older mentor figure tells him that like an old woman that he remembers from his childhood told him this thing that you know when the moon's out black boys can look blue yeah and this book this is like a visual motif because they do spend a lot of time on the beach various things happen there and there are various kind of swimming scenes and amazingly lit scenes of black kids having fun or mm. having difficulties or whatever and just always in the back of your mind there's that thing of in the moonlight black boys mm. look blue you know so the kind of literary and visual metaphors just unite in a way that they don't normally in a yeah. film yeah exactly it's very poetic which is probably why i find it difficult to pin down what moved mm. me in particular points I um, loved the way that food functioned in this movie because I feel like food and caring for other people are so intrinsically linked and little doesn't have that sort of stable home life that comes with like the picture of the domestic family sat around the yeah. table but he finds that with the Mahershala Ali character and they often offer him food in exchange for him talking because little yeah. barely talks in that first act. But they tr kind of try and persuade him with a bit of food and in the second act, you know, if they give him like a plate of chicken or something, then he might give back a few words about how he's feeling. And then the climactic romantic scene in this movie takes place in a diner where his lover basically cooks for him. And I think in all these scenes, you have people who are like cooking for mm. Chiron and not eating themselves. And it's almost like the ultimate act of like nourishment, emotional nourishment as well as physical and I just really liked that sort of motif that was going through the film because it's just that, that way of expressing care for somebody. It's so basic, but it's so true. It's such a clever visual metaphor again. Mm. We definitely have to shout out to Janelle Monet, who is in two of the best films mm. this year. Mm. She's also in a great role in Hidden Figures and then a really, really different one in this as the kind of girlfriend of the drug dealer slash mentor that mm -hmm. Sharon meets. Yeah, she does a lot of that kind of caring. Yeah. And she has a lot of those lines where, you know, she says, you know, you can come here whenever. And he endures 
teasing because of that too you know kids at his school are like oh you know you fancy her yeah etc etc which i'm sure just sours it's like no she actually just cares about me Mm. and wants to make sure i'm fed and stuff which is none of you care it's just another lovely thread i saw barry jenkins's first movie last week which is called medicine for melancholy made on like a really really tiny budget and you can tell looking at it how small the budget's Mm. been and it's a completely different style of film it's much more like you remember when like mumblecore was a thing oh yeah it was like given that label and it definitely sits more with that sort of like indie and it's about like two black people who like feel that they like identify with the indie scene but like struggle because that's very much like a white scene Mm. and they're like basically having a romance over a couple of days and it's so different but you still get this sense of just like a filmmaker with a really like distinctive individual style and even though there's lots of differences in the style it's just that like that force of directing that that ability to like see a whole a whole story with a very defined atmosphere all the way through it was really interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, he's someone who I really hope is going to have a long and productive career. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because there, yeah, there's so many things I want him to do. I love his social media presence as well. He's like <laughs> <Yeah>. so happy. <laughs> I mean, you would be if you just like created this amazing piece of art that like loads of people were really connecting with. But yeah, he just is every time someone like writes something really like heartfelt and meaningful about how they reacted to the film. He's like, thank you so much. It means so much. You're like, oh, you're just like a great guy who's made a really cool thing. Mm. And I love you. You're wicked. Speaking of reactions to this film, there was kind of an infamously shit one just this weekend when Camilla Long reviewed it for the Sunday Times. Oh, my eyes are rolling into the back of my head already. And her opening paragraph was like, who is this film even for? Like, it's about <laughs> black men and sexuality. But like, when I went to see it, most of the people in the audience were white. And I know it kicked no off. No shit, you probably live <laughs> in a really white area, babe. <laughs> I know. Or she went to a screening of like... Yeah, for journalists. White British journalists, I don't know. It kicked off a totally understandable kind of Twitter storm where people, you know pointing out how wrong she was and all the rest of it. But a small part of me was quite glad that she'd done that because it really just reveals the success of the film. Like, mm. it is not for her. Yeah. If she thinks like that, it's not for her, that's fine. Don't go and see it. <laughs> and that made it's me really weird. glad. Why, why, why are we asking Camilla Long's opinions on films anyway? I mean, I let alone know. this film, but just in general. I don't know. But in particular, it just a bit like what Amy said in her emails, like, not everything has to be for everyone. Yeah. For so long, like, mainstream culture and entertainment, predominantly made by white people, has been perceived as the norm. This is not. Maybe it's not for her. It's yeah. not for everybody, and that's good. Yeah, I agree. And... Yeah, she's just rubbish anyway. <laughs> Why are we talking about her? Let's not even entertain the idea that she's important. Anyway, great film. Gotta go and see it. It will probably affect you more than any other film out at the moment. Mm. And it's just beautiful. Even if you just like sit there and zone out, you can't, you fail to be moved by this film because it's just visually so stunning. But you'll enjoy.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Scum, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. A Norwegian teen drama produced by NRK3. It follows a group of young people who live in a wealthy suburb of Oslo. Scenes from their lives, plus their social media posts, are posted in real time throughout the week, and then a compilation episode is aired on a Friday. There are three series, and an American adaptation is in the works. We started watching this this week after several Seriously Listeners recommended it. I don't think I would have even come across it without Seriously Listeners enthusiastically emailing. And I've watched like the first four episodes or something. I think I've seen three. Yeah. I'm hooked. Me too. God, so much. I was really out of time this week. And Mm. so I was only planning on like squeezing in one Mm. and then just like cancelled a load of other stuff to keep watching. (laughs) Yeah, it's like they're quite punchy episodes. They're only Mm. 15 to 20 minutes a pop. As as the introduction explains, they're sort of split between certain windows into the week. So you'll get like Monday, 11.13 a.m. and they'll be at school or you'll get Friday night for a few minutes and you get these like snapshots of their lives. And it is sort of in that like skinsy vein of like, here's what some normal teenagers are getting up to. But I feel like it's more normal than skins. Like a lot of the time in skins, it was like, yeah, like every kid you know is at like an illegal rave until <laughs> four in the morning and then sneaking in through their parents' window and going off to school the next day. And you're like, no, not the teenagers I knew, <laughs> like maybe some, but <laughs> whereas in this one, even though they're doing like, you know, typical teenage partying and stuff there, there's also a lot of like loneliness and anxiety in this that I think is quite relatable. And like boasting about schoolwork mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And like so I think I'm right in saying that each of the three series uses one particular character as its focus and it's a different person each time. Mm-hmm. But we have already met in series one the people who are the focus of two and three. And so Eva is the focus of series one. And so far of what I've seen her theme is loneliness mm. because I don't think I know quite yet what the big breakup was between her and her friendship group but I think they've all started a new like high school or like I think in Norway maybe it's like the equivalent of sixth form college or something Mm. they've all started college they're all like the youngest people in the school and she doesn't have any friends yeah it's set in a real school right a real like quite well-known school 
that's I think the equivalent of like a, a posh grammar maybe rather than a private school but I'm not I think sure. so yeah I was reading the Wikipedia page for it and it says it was like the first school in Norway to go co-ed or something like that okay. so kind of slightly progressive there's just an element of authenticity there that I'm quite enjoying she's getting teased for not doing that well in like some of her school work and um there's something about the boys in this so her boyfriend is called Jonas and his best friend there's something about them that just reminds me of boys when I was at, <laughs> at school like so much the singing and playing the guitar and like singing Eminem and like really quite lame music but them like being quite into it and like laughing when people get annoyed and they feel so much more realistic to me than like any other teenagers I've seen they remind me of like we had family friends in Wales and like all the teenage boys in Wales seemed to be like this <laughs> um, yeah I, I definitely had not friends but like friends of friends who were like this when I was this age and like you know the scenes of them like boasting about their school marks and like you know the whole thing opens with him like reading aloud this essay he'd written to his girlfriend mm. clearly wanting his approval her <laughs> approval and stuff and there's like yeah I really recognize that and you know them wanting to talk about politics and thinking they have all the answers mm. oh and the thing that he does where Eva and Jonas were supposed to be going on this like nice weekend away to this I think it's her parents cabin or something and he's like oh it's fine if I just bring these random friends of mine right you two annoying boyfriends you could bring your friends but oh wait you don't have any and I'm not very supportive about that yeah uh and so she ends up like cooking for all these boys while they play Eminem on their shit guitar yeah it's like yeah this is classic teenage girl male friendship group scenario I love those teen dramas that have that element of scheming in, which mm. is obviously, I don't know why, it's like over and over <laughs> again, it's like teens plotting. But they're sort of scheming about, I mean, this is a whole window into Norwegian culture that I've just like not even been aware of. But this idea that they have these these like big parties at the end of the school year. It's called the Russ. Yeah. And you need to, everyone does, everyone parties on buses and you need to like get a group together who's, who's going to like rent a bus. It seems so bizarre. <laughs> but anyway, cool. So they're like trying to get cool people they want to get onto a cool bus basically and they're making that their like mission statement and they're trying to flirt with the right boys and get the coolest girls to hang out with them but there's another thread here where seemingly a lot of the cool girls are the same girls that Eva used to be friends with who have ostracized her for some reason which we're not fully aware of yet though I think it might have something to do with boys yeah that's my hunch as well so yeah, it's I don't know why it's so it's like really addictive and they what they've done outside of just the drama is I think what makes this special where they've given all the characters Instagram accounts and screen you can see screenshots of the characters text messages to each other and they're like all posted online throughout the week so you get a weird sense of them being real people and I was looking at some of the like Instagram posts between Jonas and Eva being like oh they're such a cute couple like flicking through them and I'm like oh my god I'm literally treating these like actual people that I would stalk on Instagram that's that is my digital relationship with these people Mm. so they've done that so successfully because it's quite rare to see um, like youth shows that actually utilize texting really well. Yeah definitely and also just tv shows full stop that Mm. use like periphery media in a good way i mean my go-to worst example of this is when i think it was when the first series of sherlock was on and Mm. the bbc put up like dr watson's blog Mm. and it was the shittest thing ever (laughs) even 
people who were like seriously in the BBC Sherlock fandom were like, yeah, we ignore that because it's not good. Oh God. <laughs> I remember when the Gilmore Girls revival was coming, they did lots of like hinty Instagram posts, which were fine and like not particularly good, but whatever. But they did one thing that was really good, which was like starshollow.net as written by like, uh, I think it's written by Kirk or Taylor. Oh Maybe yeah, Taylor. yeah. I think it's written by Taylor. And it's like, just so perfect <laughs> it's like really long it's like a proper web page that you could spend about an hour looking at all the different posts on but yeah scum just does it in a way that is so seamless and makes you just feel like i don't know that you're looking at like the the beckham kids mm. or like kendall and kylie jenner or something like looking at their like random instagrams and it reminds me you mentioned skins it reminds me to my response to it anyway reminds me of the oc mm. which was how old was i maybe like 16 when that was on 15 16 and i just massively fell for this like cool show about mm. really rich teenagers in orange county in california and their improbable problems yeah this does have a streak of that doesn't it but yeah. it's just done so much more subtly it's it like does. never high drama never high drama but always I don't know about you, but I was always watching with like slight anxiety in the pit of my stomach because yeah. I was like, something bad is going to happen to her and I want good things for her. Yeah. But also the integration of social media gives it another dimension. So it's not just when I was watching the OC, I was like, what is Seth and Selma going to have as their storyline mm. this week? Oh, right. That's what it was. The end. You know? Yeah. Whereas this isn't like that. And also some things you get a glimpse of in the TV show, then you see more of in their like text mm. later, like Eva and Jonas texting about how a party went that she went to and he couldn't go to because he was at a gig like you you get all these like added levels and it just works so well mm. so yeah i'm definitely hooked yeah it's really brilliant and the way that people have like done english subtitling of it is <laughs> so sweet it's really adorable so thank you so much to everyone who sent us links by the way yeah it's so helpful we wouldn't have been able to watch this without you and you know broader thank you to everyone norwegian who is taking the trouble to put english subtitles yeah and also they have like little almost like stage directions where they'll be like <laughs> so there's like a line where someone's like uh, i hate russ anyway and i don't even know how i'm gonna get a bus and it just in square brackets it says google this word <laughs> and then i like googled the word yeah. and i was like oh shit this is a whole like cultural thing thank you subtitler for being like this is something you need to contextually familiarize yourself with if you're going to continue watching the show <laughs> yes it's so helpful and yes it's a really fun way of watching and you feel like you're in on a big secret yeah yeah it's really great Last week, I recommended to Anna that she watch the 1974 Mel Brooks film, Young Frankenstein. Anna, what did you make of this film? And what a film it is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I actually really enjoyed it. Good. Like, a lot of the jokes in it are, as you say, like, really dated and really, like, quite lame. But there's just something, there's, a like, a pure spirit to this film that's quite hard to, I don't know, be dismissive of. It's like... It's a bit like, you know, when someone makes a bad dad joke, but they're kind of, you can tell that they're just doing it to try and make you feel comfortable in the conversation. They want you to have a, a mm. nice time. There's that, there's that sort of like joyful streak in it that yeah. I found quite hard to disagree with. Young Frankenstein just wants you to be happy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the vibe. That's the feeling of it. I recently saw it again when a friend of my boyfriend's had it screened for his birthday party. Yeah. What an amazing thing I know, to do he for your book, birthday. He booked like a whole cinema 
and we all got to sit and have free popcorn and watch it. And oh he kept goodness. the film a secret. And we only found out like on when the morning. It was and as soon as I saw Gene Wilder's face, I was like, yes, this is going to be the best morning. That's so cool. Yeah, he is obviously just irresistibly charming mm-hmm. throughout. So even when he's making like a terrible sexist joke, you're like, oh, but it's Gene Wilder. Like, He has such great clothes in this as well. Yeah, he looks hilarious. The whole, the, the whole aesthetic of the film, I think, is one of the things that really got me behind it because it's clearly done with a lot of it's it's like a parody of like a early i don't know like a hammer horror i guess and like that sort of 30s vibe is there with all the like you know irises and the the way that it cuts between scenes and stuff and the opening and closing credits which i just love i love the love that you could see that mel brooks had for these genres and Mm. the way he wanted to like take the piss out of them but very very lovingly and i really really liked that and i love putting on the ritz Scene, oh that's the best bit. so i had forgotten that that was in it so this is the scene where <laughs> in order to try and prove to people that the monster he has created gene wilder is, is totally harmless <laughs> gene wilder's character does this like scientific in quotes presentation where it starts off with him just like showing off that he can walk and then it's like but also i've turned him into a gentleman and now we're gonna dance and wearing a tailcoat they do a like Fred Astaire inspired routine to put on the Ritz. It's so good because he's so like obviously a lot of the humour in this is like Gene Wilder who's a bit like fey and like almost pretentiously sophisticated Mm. and then they've got this like monster who's obviously the opposite of that and so there's this weird dance and he's you know he's there like where fashion sits and he's like doing it he's got this weird gentle voice hasn't he Gene Wilder everything is he's quite almost softly spoken even though he's obviously so dynamic and then, the, and then the Frankenstein's monster is just sort of like putting on the Ritz in the background, <laughs> and it's just like it shouldn't be as funny as it is, but it just is. I really, really, I loved all that. Um, and yeah, some of the jokes are really childish, like knockers, and um, there's like a recurring joke that every time they say this woman's name, all the horses like <laughs> scream and like I whinny. Love that bit. I don't know why. Um, really it, tickles me. Yeah, exactly. It's like stupid, but it is funny, and yeah, I. I think if it, anyone but Gene Wilder, this film just wouldn't work in the mm. way that it does. But it does. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> so what are you going to recommend me for next time? So a wild card. I have... I've came across this program that's from MTV. And I think it's a web-based series. I don't know if they show it on their, on MTV, the TV channel as well. But it's called Sweet Vicious. So like Sweet forward slash vicious okay and it's it feels very like comic booky and i don't want to say it's based on a comic book because i've been watching riverdale which is based on a series of comics and i might just be getting it confused but um it's got that vibe very much and it's set on a college campus um and you meet these two girls one who's like very into a sorority Mm. and uh one who's sort of like on the verge of being expelled and like has green hair and like probably smokes loads of pot and blah 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 so One's blonde and perfect, one's the opposite. And as the first episode unfolds, you begin to realise that this perfect sorority girl is not all she seems and she's actually a vigilante kind of ninja (laughs) (laughs) who is trying to get revenge on all the um, sleazy jocks at the college who have committed some sort of sexual violence. So it's all about sexual violence and ways of recovering from it and there's a lot of kind of like cartoonish violence at the hands of these two girls but it's just really weird and fun it sounds awesome yeah i think you'll like it so definitely give it a whirl and let me know what you think (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you can also leave us a review if you would so choose. Our next event, another Harry Potter quiz on the 14th of March, is now sold out, but you can join the waiting list for tickets at slslypod.com slash events. Also on the website, you can find all our back episodes plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually and Friends while you're there please do our listener survey it's really helpful for us to know what you do and don't like about the show we're available many other places on the internet including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr we're seriously pod on all of them we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.